1: Guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a very special guest on today. I want to welcome Jordan Moorhead to the podcast. How's it going, Jordan?
2: Good. How are you doing, Tom?
1: Good. Uh, busy day today for you, right?
2: Yeah, always busy day, man.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got some of your, you know, show notes kind of ahead of time and wanted to kind of jump into it. Um, just so that you know, uh, you know, in terms of the show you know, we focus on uh, people that have a real estate background, typically real estate agents. And we talk about adding, you know, real estate investing uh, to your arsenal. And I know you've done some real estate investing and you're a real estate agent. So Mm
3: -hmm. why
1: don't you kind of give us the high level of, um, you know, how you got into real estate, what you've done on the agent side, what you've done on the investment side and all that good stuff.
2: So might be a little different than a lot of people. Uh, I started investing first, and then I got a real estate agent's license. So I started investing in 2016, bought a duplex, started living in half. Uh, That next year, 2017, bought a sixplex and was able to save up so much money from doing the house hacking strategy there and living in half of the duplex that I was able to go buy another property almost pretty quickly within six months uh, so bought a Sixplex year two of investing. In September of 2017, I got my license. So Duplex Sixplex then got a license. started working with people that wanted to do what I was doing with that duplex and live in half of a duplex or live in a room, a house and rent out the other rooms. Uh, my first year, I did 24 transactions. So my first full year, 2017, I didn't sell anything. Um, got my license in September, October, November, December, January of the following year. I didn't sell anything. In February, sold my first property. The subsequent ten months, I sold 23 more properties as an agent. Um, also, uh, was continuing to save money to invest. I still had another business going too, so I. When I started investing, I owned a fitness business with two trainers and one admin and me. So there was four of us in the company Uh, that helped me start get started investing. Then when I started working as an agent, I started working as an agent full-time, but I wasn't in my other business full-time. I was just going maybe a couple of days a week to check on it make sure everything was going well. Of course, talking with my admin, talking with my coaches on a daily basis to make, to handle any issues they had, Mm -hmm. but didn't really have to be there all day, every day. So was immediately able to start as an agent full time. Um, so 24, my first year did 40, my second year, and it just kind of gone from there.
1: That's awesome. So you had a successful training business. What kind of the impetus to say, Hey, I want to start getting into real estate
2: A couple different things. So my father's been a real estate agent for about 15 years and he's always liked it. Um, He's not ever made it into a business, but he just likes being the solo agent and still does really well at 68. Of course, I was interested in investing in real estate. And as I started to get more interested in investing and started investing, I said, well, hey, I'm not able to find a lot of great agents that are doing what I want to do or really to invest. You know, I I talked to so many agents that that want to invest or they're curious about investing, but they don't. And I think that's really a shame. So I really like what you're doing here. And I just, I saw the ceiling with the uh, fitness business. So I had two trainers. I had an admin. We had 62 clients paying us an average of $300 a month. Mm Yeah. So we were making good money. I was able to pay them a reasonable salary. I was able to take a reasonable salary, uh, making good profit off the business. But I saw this definite ceiling um, and I was going to be able to inch that up over time. I really wasn't interested in that. I wanted a business that I could exponentially grow and real estate worked for that. You know, After the first year, I said, man, this, this is great. I can make a lot more money doing this. So I sold the fitness business about a year after my first year in real estate and just went 100% all real estate.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I know that's a big thing for a lot of agents. And even myself, I had a, a CPA practice. I was an accountant uh, before I went all in on real estate. And it was one of those things kind of sounds pretty similar where like you were making decent money. I was making decent money. I didn't really want to give it up. I said, OK, you know, real estate's going to be you know, I love real estate, but I'm not going to do it full time. And then one day kind of just my partner really pushed me to say, hey, let's go all in on, on real estate, because we're making more money in real estate, and we like it a lot more. So um, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you have kind of a similar story there. So with your first property, you house hacked it. So did you live in it? Or were you renting out rooms? How did that go?
2: So I lived, I went real, real far down the scale and the being uncomfortable with the first one. We had a duplex, um, we had tenants upstairs, we we being me, um, I had tenants upstairs. I lived downstairs, I occupied one of the rooms when I was in town, rented another room to a roommate, and then rented out the back porch mm-hmm. to an Airbnb, very low cost, 10 to $15 a night usually grad students people in town doing some sort of contract work just somebody looking for somewhere cheap to stay yep um, and really did everything i could to make as much money as i could off of this duplex so i made about five hundred dollars a month to live there while i was living there yep Um, and that was in what you said 2016 2016 yeah i bought it for one hundred and eighty-two thousand.
1: yeah and that that what part of texas was that
2: that was in minneapolis minnesota actually
1: okay you're in texas now though right
2: i'm in austin yeah
1: okay cool so you were in minneapolis you bought it you said for under two you were you were making five hundred dollars a month to live there and what would you say like in terms of just the sacrifice of doing that like was it a, a big sacrifice for you or just something that was like okay hey i gotta get started here
2: uh it really wasn't too big of a sacrifice so i was 27 Um, I've always been frugal. So I had lived with roommates up until a couple of years before that. And then I had moved into an apartment. After that, I moved into a nice apartment where I paid $1,200 a month. Um, Didn't like paying the $1,200 a month. And actually moved down to Austin early 2016. When I moved back up to Minneapolis and got my fitness business going strong again, I said, "Hey." I I want to do this real estate thing. So I started living with roommates when I was back there and then just transitioned into somewhere that I owned. It wasn't that hard. Um, Yeah. At 27, I was able to live with multiple other people and random people anymore. We still house hack here in Austin. Um, This is my second house hack in Austin. We're about to move into one for my girlfriend here in a few months, Yep. but we just live in one unit now. Okay. And it's it's not really any sacrifice. I'm looking at our backyard right now. We've got a big backyard that circles around the back of the duplex. Um, nice privacy fence, nice finishes in the duplex. Everything's new. Everything's nice. Really not a sacrifice at all. It's like living in a townhome.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like a you know the one in Minneapolis was probably a little bit more uncomfortable. So you did that. And then you moved to what was the impetus to move to Austin?
2: I just don't like the cold.
1: Yeah. Were you just selecting a market that, was it Was it partly due to the real estate or just like you were you were trying to find a place that you would enjoy living in?
2: More just a place I would enjoy living in. I know I'm going to make money anywhere I go. Uh, I've never had a trouble making a living. Um, yeah, it was attractive that everything was just going crazy in Austin and has been for the last two decades, but it wasn't part of my decision-making process. Of course, I was looking for somewhere that was warm, somewhere that was growing, and somewhere that had a lot of opportunity. And Austin hit all those.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you know the last year with all of the uh, the COVID stuff that's been going on, you know the demographic shifts are kind of interesting to study. And yeah. it's like I'm, you know, I'm in a kind of a climate like you were in in Minneapolis. I'm in the Boston area. And um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, people people are definitely moving, you know, south uh, overall. You know, so it's just interesting to see those trends. So you, but you you didn't go from the two family to a two family. You said you bought a a sixplex in between, right?
2: So bought a duplex, bought a sixplex, moved out of the duplex after a a little bit of time. I sold that duplex and bought two more sixplexes. Um, Now. In 2018, I bought a two-family in Austin. In 2020, I bought another two-family in Austin. At the end of 2020, we bought nine houses, a partner and I. Yep. Um, in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm from Louisville. Uh, I grew up there. He still lives there, so we buy houses in Louisville.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I buy multi multifamily there, too, but have not been hitting that too hard as of recent because uh, the partnership thing's been going so well
1: awesome so one of the things that that people you know always wonder when they see somebody like you coming out of the gate buying a lot of properties how are you financing all of these like what strategies are you using to get under these properties and continue to purchase
2: I wish there was a, a magic bullet to that but I, I think I've been living very frugally for a long time I've been saving almost you know 60 70 percent of what I make. I've been consistently trying to push my income up so you know on, on good years I, since I was 23 24 I've made over a 100 grand with my own businesses uh, I saved the majority of that money and I've invested the majority of that money so i don't I don't know what other answers you get on this show here but really it's just been working hard saving more than I make or sort saving more than I spend and in investing that over and over and over for uh, a little more than a decade now.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I think in terms of other answers, like that's the, the interesting thing about having different guests on. Everybody does it differently. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways that you can creatively finance things. We have people that raise capital themselves. We have people that do seller financing. We have people that are doing 1031s from one property to another.
2: Oh, yeah, and I've done, I've done a 1031. I've done some seller financing. Um, we've, of course, done some burs. Um, so we've picked them up cash refinanced them gotten most of our money out i've used my agents commission to pay for the entire down payment of properties when i'm doing the house hacking strategy so yeah i've done some creative stuff absolutely
1: yeah and that's all the, the type of stuff i think that that um you know be interesting to kind of dive into so like going through all those different pieces so the you know using your commission for the house hacking is that just you were doing like an FHA loan, like a low down payment loan, or did you somehow structure it where the commission was, was a little bit bigger? Like, how did you do
2: that? A little bit both. So I was doing an FHA loans. Actually this duplex we're in right now, three and a half percent down. Um, I got the seller to raise the commission to three and a half percent. And then I got prorated rents and I got security deposits um, also used Keller Mortgage, which is our in-house mortgage company. Mm-hmm. They covered half of the closing costs. The seller covered the other half. So when I closed on this property, I got a check for about three grand. Right. Um, so,
1: so more than 100% financing on an FHA.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's easy to do that. I have a, a friend who's also an agent buying a duplex right now. He just got them to knock up the commission another half a point. So he's getting three and a half percent commission, he's paying three and a half percent down. They had already covered his closing costs. Um, basically he just got a free duplex.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, like on the one that you're that you're in now, so you basically got in that not even for no money down, you got paid to buy the property. And yeah. then w- with the house hack, like what is it costing you all in to live there now?
2: So uh on that note too, I also spent 65000 rehabbing this property. Yep. So it was no money down for the down payment. So yep. day one, I put nothing down. Um, day seven, I gave a contractor $20,000 down to start the rehab. Um, so it's there's not always a free lunch. You know, this wouldn't have been a good deal if it was rehabbed and ready to go. Right now, it's costing me around $700 a month to live here. But you know, as we speak, I'm actually refinancing into a conventional loan because after the rehab, I was able to build so much equity in the property that I'll be able to refinance into conventional. I'll be able to drop the PMI. I've homesteaded the property, so the taxes dropped a little bit there, and I'm protesting the taxes because I actually bought it for less than the tax assessed value. In Texas, our property taxes are pretty high. That's the only way they get tax money. So they don't have an income tax. I get taxed nothing from the state on any income I make, but they have to pay for the roads and the schools. So they have high property taxes, but they assess them higher than they think they can get a lot of times and you just need to go protest that tax. So I'm sending my Alta to the tax assessor and saying, hey, paid 40,000 less than you had it assessed for. So knock my taxes down. So I should be down around a mortgage payment of twenty-two hundred dollars. The other side's rented for eighteen hundred dollars. So I should be about four hundred bucks after that's done. That's we awesome. won't live here too much longer than that. In a couple months, we'll be moving into her house hack. Nice.
1: So, yeah, let's go through kind of the strategy. So, so you're going to be out of that one. So you're 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 negative four hundred right now to live there, which is obviously in. You know, 2021, a pretty, pretty low monthly payment for to live anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're gonna take that, you're gonna then house hack with your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. This this two family that you're sitting in right now becomes a rental, right? Yeah. I'm assuming yep. or are you gonna sell that?
2: No, i are gonna keep it as a rental. The only reason I sold the last property was that it was just kind of a management nightmare. Um, I have, well, right now I have 29 doors with a partner. This one two unit was taking up most of my time, just dealing with little issues. And I said, I I don't need to deal with this. Um, It's just a problem property.
1: So you hold on to the one that you're in now, you'll Mm -hmm. go into what another two family or what type of property are you going to go into next? Or are you hoping to identify next?
2: So for her very unique property, it's a condo with a studio unit below the condo. I've never seen it in my entire life. There's a three-bed, two-bath upstairs, and then there's a studio unit downstairs. So we'll live in the upstairs unit. Um, our mortgage payment, our portion of the mortgage payment will be around $600 a month. After we're done there, I will find another duplex, buy a duplex, and we'll move into that. So we're gonna, just going to keep going over and over for at least a few years. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's like all of these you know small little things, and then all of a sudden they add up and yeah. Um, you know you'll you probably already like you had mentioned you have some equity in the property that you're in maybe you can even at that point pull some money out for a down payment on something else and then and, just kind of continue that going
2: and so, we're always looking for other rentals too so my partner and I on an almost a daily basis we're talking and we're looking for properties and we're talking to wholesalers and we're talking to property managers of course we're looking at the MLS but Um, We're always buying houses and apartments too. So, yeah, the house hacking is just because it's so cheap. Why not? You know, why not continue to buy properties for essentially nothing down? Yeah. Great areas that appreciate like crazy and you can prove value of.
3: Yeah, I love it. Um, So, how does that all fit in? Because obviously, you're doing a lot, you're renovating these houses, you're renting them out, you've got tenants, um, and then, you know, you're selling you know, 40 plus properties in a, in a brokerage as well, making good money doing that. So how, how is the investing component related to the stuff you're doing on the agent side and how do they work together?
2: They really don't. And that's on purpose. I try to have as much of my focus on the agent side as I can. So we have a great property manager. Of course, my business partner is in town there. He can go meet with the property manager, deal with anything. I just work on finding the properties and that's part of my day every day, but I'm not spending a ton of time on it. And that's part of the reason why I don't only invest in Texas. It's just so I can make money here in Texas and I can invest and not have it take up all my day. So Mm -hmm. how it ties into what I do on a daily basis is it purposely really doesn't Um, because I want to make sure I'm spending all my time growing the team, looking for agents, helping clients, Just pushing that business forward and really having this other business be a separate entity over here that doesn't require input and feedback and work from our current business. In the future, I may be starting a property management company here in Texas. So I've gotten my broker's license in Minnesota. I still have a broker's license here in Texas, almost done with my broker's license. Um, I will find a partner for that business again, so it doesn't suck away from the sales business. So really, it's just keeping this stuff out of the sales business, you know, keeping the blinders on for the sales business, because our clients are the most important thing. And I don't need to spend time doing other things that don't do anything but help our clients.
0: Let's take a quick break from the episode. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there.
3: So how are you obtaining most of your client business?
2: Um, sphere, sphere's number one, mailers, cold calls just being on all sorts, so I'm a heavy investor. I'm on a lot of investor sites and Facebook groups, so Bigger Pockets, all sorts of Facebook groups, just all over social media. We do a lot of social media advertising. I try to have a couple different lead sources that are strong, you know? So we've got, of course, fear is the best always. You know, if somebody refers you to somebody, that's the best lead you're gonna get. But we have tons of other lead sources, no paid advertising through Zillow or Realtor or any of that, but all, uh, I guess you would call it green content. Um, Just getting out there, putting out good content and having people reach out to us.
3: And so obviously you've done a decent amount of investing yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the client makeup between like investors and traditional like buyers and sellers? Like, are you working more with investors or what type of clients? Heavily
2: first-time investors. So house hackers buying their first rental property, um, people like that. Um, we do help home buyers, but I'd say home buyers are about 30% of our business. House hackers are probably 60%. Investors are probably 10
3: So how do house hackers or people that want to be house hackers know about you or get to you?
2: I'm on lots of podcasts like this. I'm all over bigger pockets. I'm all over in local investor Facebook groups. Um, we put out a lot of social media content. I got a referral recently who reached out to me off Instagram, uh, showed them four houses, and we found a great house for them here in East Austin, actually. yeah. Um, so all, all over the place.
1: So for the most part, you're kind of just selling what you're already doing in a way.
2: Yeah. And that's why I like it. And that's why it's easy because I'm not trying to figure out how to do something and then selling that. You know, I'm not a financial advisor that's not worth any money, you know, trying to sell you a mutual fund. I do a lot of house hacking. Yeah. We've been house hacking. I've been house hacking since 2016. Um, since I met my girlfriend in 2018, we've lived in one of hers. We've lived in one of mine. We're in another one of mine now. We're going to move to another one of hers. I know everything about it. You know, it's easy for me to sell that to somebody else. Uh, how so, do I have to sell?
1: Um, so I guess what's the biggest piece of advice you could give somebody who's an agent that wants to start house hacking or just anybody who who wants to start house hacking? Like, what are the things that, you know, you, you preach to your clients from the lessons that you've learned?
2: I would say the biggest thing that I would tell everybody that I see handicap a lot of other people is... You'll get comfortable being uncomfortable. This little sacrifice for a few years is going to make such a difference in your future. So if you do house hacking two or three times, you've got over a million dollars worth of property in almost every market. You know, if you do it in Boston two or three times, you've got two million dollars worth of property.
1: I know that's the that's the crazy part. It like you know, and a lot of people when they start out, they read a real estate investing book. You know, it's like, well, I want to own you know, five hundred units. And, you know, maybe maybe someday you get there, but you don't even need to do that to have a lot of success in it. Like you're mentioning, I mean, you could just take a few simple kind of steps and and get there.
2: Um, And if you want to do that, start house hacking. If you want to buy a lot of rental properties, you need to save money. You need to have assets. You need to have great credit. House hacking, you know, that's what's going to get you there. And that's not the only way. My business partner lives in a great house in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, they paid down their house and he's able to save a lot of money to invest. I don't think that there's one way or another, but if you don't have a lot of money right now and you want to be a big investor, start house hacking. You'll save a lot. You'll learn how to be frugal and you'll start to build some assets.
1: So you're, you're an agent and you're at a fairly big office, right?
2: 950 agents in our office.
1: 950 agents, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, So so you see a lot of agents that sell a lot of homes. What do you think the reason that more agents don't invest in in real estate is?
2: I think a lot of people just get scared. I think they know how to sell a house and they know a lot of the systems of a house. They just get scared. I'm not going to name any names, but I've talked to a lot of people and, oh, you know what? I'm waiting for the right opportunity. I'm like, man, you've been talking to me about your waiting for four years. You know, you just lost a few hundred thousand dollars. A lot of I think that I think fear, fear is a big driver for a lot of people's decisions, Um, whether or not they want to admit it. They're probably scared. Um, I think not wanting to give up your current lifestyle. A lot of agents live a really nice lifestyle and it's hard to want to give that up to save for later you know, you pay attention to Wendy and Jay Popazon, they're here in town. Um, they house hacked for a long time and they have a lot of property off doing that. So yeah. the, in the, I, I know they still make sure they manage their money correctly. Even Gary Keller, who owns the largest real estate company in the world privately, he still owns it hundred percent talks about in his podcast, of, Hey, you don't need all these nice things. And Hey, you don't need this or that. Or, Pay cash for your home, make sure you don't have all these payments so you can go invest the difference. But the really smart people you see, Warren Buffett drives a car somebody gave to him. And he lives in the same house he's lived in since the 70s. You know, you you got you need to make as much money as you can, save as much money as you can, and invest the difference. And it's really not more complicated than that, but you know, people like to find all these reasons why they can't do it and they wait, and wait, and wait, and wait, and by the time they've waited, they could have made a million dollars.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's tough, kind of, like, in this market, and this market is almost serving up, like, a good excuse for a lot of people, because yeah. it is so hot right now, and obviously, who knows when that's going to change. I mean, you know, by the time this is this is released, I mean, someone could listen to this three months later, and maybe, maybe the downturn will start, but it's, like, nobody knows when it's going to shift, and I think, like, every deal that you told me about that you did makes sense in this high market. Mm-hmm. Like every single one that you did living for $400, living for $500, you know, making money to live at a place. Like it's hard to argue with that versus I guess, what's the alternative because the alternative is what you rent. Like you were renting an apartment for 1200 or you own something. You're pretty much almost guaranteeing. I mean, you are guaranteeing. You're not going to, you're going to live more inexpensively by by house hacking than you could live on your own. So it doesn't even really matter what the prices are because you know, at least now even with the prices high, it's still cheaper to house hack and do all these other things.
2: And and even with the prices high, as long as the numbers work, they work. Rents don't typically go down. I can't find anywhere ever that rents have gone down. I can't tell you any reason why when the government's just printed five trillion dollars that rents are going to go down next year why is that going to happen everybody says well rents could drop why why would rents drop yeah there's all this money people have to live somewhere especially places like austin or boston or wherever if your area is declining in population rapidly rents might go down you know if you're in a columbus or cleveland your rents may go down but somewhere where population is growing and people are coming and need to live there or even the population steady you know it's not going to change for a, a negative way it's probably going to go up yeah so, it's interesting like my
1: market there's no land you can't really develop much more so you know, the, you know, every market's different, like you mentioned. There's some markets that, that are losing population. There's some that's gaining them pretty fast. Um, my market specifically, you can't really add much more inventory. So as long as people want to live in Boston, it's it'd be tough for rents to really go down. Um, there's almost, I'm trying to think of like even what the circumstances would be. Where where ranks could go down. I mean, the only the only thing with my market is just again, cold weather, high cost of living, like population trends potentially, um, and where where you're at, I guess there's a lot less. There's no zoning restrictions, right? Pretty much, you can. No,
2: we have zoning restrictions here in Austin. I know some places in Texas they'd say they don't, but I, I know we do.
1: Yeah, so the, the zoning is a lot looser than, than what we have here. But but even still, like you guys have got the population trends in, in droves. I mean, so, so yeah, that's interesting. So are you going to continue, obviously you're going to house hack where you're located. Mm-hmm. And then are you going to continue to invest in the Kentucky market at the same time? Or are you looking to get more of a base where you're located now?
2: Um, so my partner and I are looking in San Antonio and Louisville. We really we like both those markets quite a lot. We're just finding the deals in Louisville. Um, everything we have bought on the single family house side is off market. Everything I have bought, multifamily side, is on the market. I yep. don't know why, but that's just the way it's worked out. And
1: what like you? So you're buying singles in Louisville. Like, what do the numbers look like there? Just out of curiosity.
2: Um, so on the market there. In the neighborhood, we're looking in their roughly 1% rule. The stuff we're buying is uh, in rougher shape, needs 20 to 30 grand worth of rehab. We're buying it at 70 cents on the dollar, uh, putting in that 20, 30 grand worth of rehab. So we're ending up right around the 1% rule after rehab that we've done a full rehab. Everything's nice. A lot of the capital expense is taken care of, and we've got a nice house to rent. So we're ending up all in around a hundred and we're renting for around 1100.
1: That's awesome. And yeah. you're doing those deals off market. Like how are you generating those opportunities?
2: Wholesalers and property managers. Oh, wow. So just um, straight networking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think a hard part for a lot of people too. Everybody will say, Oh, there's no deals out there. Yeah. They don't want to look for the deals. Um, we're finding deals on the MLS that are just bad listings too. So here in Austin, this condo we have under contract, it's essentially a duplex was listed as just a condo. Although one in the complex was listed as a duplex. And that one went in two days and was gone over list. This one we were able to get for a good price. Um, this property we're in right now had two pictures, one of the front and one of the side of the front. You no, know, so everything I found on the market is really usually a bad listing, and it's just an opportunity you're sifting through. Um, it's not going to show up and knock on your front door and say, Hey, here's this great deal, come buy me. Um, it's just you got to do some work to find those deals.
1: Yeah, I was, um, I had a real estate investing networking event maybe about a year ago, and I, I do all my deals off market. I do a bunch of mailings, Google pay per click, Facebook ads, like. the the typical traditional we buy houses stuff. And um, I was up there, you know, speaking in front of like, maybe like 30 people or so, all real estate agents. And I said, there's no deals on the market. And, um, you know, I told them about kind of the stuff I'm doing and how I get deals. And I'm like, you know, being on the MLS is a waste of time. But I I had invited uh, three or four other successful, you know, agents who invest as well up there. And one of them kind of got into a debate with me. He said the same exact thing that you said. And I, I really got to kind of thinking about it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, it probably is really hard to find deals on the MLS. But me saying that they don't exist is not true. It's just probably way harder to get them. Yeah. Um, and, you, and, and like you mentioned, he said the same thing. He said, well, what I do, and this is just an, an, an example. He said, what I do is I know a specific area of town where the zoning allows for some, us to do extra in that area and i look for people that are listing say like their single family homes in a neighborhood where you can add a unit. and he said that 99% of agents when they list a home in that area list it as single family because they just don't know that yeah. you can you can do anything different. and he said i did four or five deals last year where i basically bought a home people probably thought i overpaid for it but in reality i actually got it for a discount just because the person who was listing it didn't realize that there was more potential there. So I I feel like you know I kind of put my foot in my mouth a little bit with with saying the wrong thing but I'm glad he corrected me and you know you're saying the same thing and and yeah I mean you know just because something goes on the MLS doesn't automatically necessarily mean that everybody else is going to see the potential there or that like you mentioned it's literally listed wrong it's listed as a con- it's listed as a condo but there's another unit so whatever the case yeah. is you know there's always opportunities and then the networking component, other wholesalers, property managers, definitely come across the stuff all the time that takes time, effort and energy to build up those relationships. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely different alternatives to getting deals uh, rather than doing what I do, which is kind of just like spend money, getting appointment and try to try to get a deal that way. So, well, that's awesome. I mean, you're doing, you're definitely doing great things. Um, you know, I'm excited to see kind of, you know, where you go with all this stuff. Uh, you know, reminded me of some of the stuff I did when I was younger, uh, which is awesome. Um, I, I love having, uh, people that are on, that are, that are on that upswing. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where you're at in like three or four years. So, um, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to
3: come on.
2: Awesome. Yeah, no, thanks for having me so much. Um, and I'd say if anything, for For agents, just you know think about your long term. There is no retirement plan as an agent. Yep. You know you got to figure out something to help you make money. Why not use something you know really well and have an advantage at? So if you're selling homes all day, so if you're listing and helping buyers get properties, you're gonna see some opportunities that that other people may not. And it's not just automatically you get an agent's license and you see those opportunities. But if you're an active agent, who's busy and out there hustling, doing 30, 40 deals a year, you're going to see some opportunities. So take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. And I've got a book coming out called agent investor that like, you just almost summarize the entire book, which is just like, if you're an agent, if you're out there doing things, like you're going to come across these opportunities. You don't have to be like aggressively like pushing, but man, get one, get two, get three properties that you will own for the future. You definitely don't have a retirement plan. Um, and you know, most agents that are successful, they just keep working and they, they never retire because they don't have a retirement plan. And I mean, it's tough. So, um, so I love what you're doing, uh, for anybody who's listening, who wants to reach out to you, is there any way, what's the best way for somebody to, to learn more about you or to get information?
2: Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and, uh, you can just email me at jordan.morehead m-o-o-r-h-e-a-d at KW.com. But yeah, Facebook or Instagram too, if you reach out over a messenger, I think Instagram messenger is easier because it doesn't block it if you're not a friend or whatever.
1: Okay. I didn't know that little hack. I get a I get to work on that. I'm a, I'm a Facebook pretty much only person, but now that you just told me that hack, I might, I might step up to the plate on Instagram.
2: Well, I think on Facebook, don't you have two inboxes like your friend's inbox yeah. and, uh, you haven't accepted them inbox
1: exactly so you're you just gave me an instagram hack there you go so all the all the people who are ignoring me i'm going to come for you now
2: there you got it man go after them
1: <laughs> all right jordan i appreciate you taking the time and uh this will be launched in the next couple of weeks
2: all right thanks tom you have a great day look forward to that book all right guys
0: bye Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.